John 1, beginning at verse 19. This is God's word. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other, on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. Amen. We thank God for the gift of his word to us this morning. If you have your Bible, then open it up again to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verses 19 through to 28. Caleb has already read them for us. Let me pray and ask for God's help. Father, we want to see Jesus. We want to see him clearly. And so we pray that you would, by the power of your Spirit at work in us, help us to see who he is and help us to believe and receive and to live differently as a result. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Knowing who someone is and knowing who someone is not is really, really important. We've established that already, haven't we? As we thought about it in our uh, speaking to, to the boys and girls. But I remember one night, one night heading to the wake of an elderly gentleman who had sadly passed away. Uh, he was the father of a good friend. And so we arrived, Vicky and I, as we traveled up the country from Fermanagh. We were there pretty early. We arrived at seven o'clock. Um, we spent some time with the family who were grieving. Uh, but, but there was lots of people there. The, the house was busy. There was lots of people coming and going. And so we, we stayed about an hour and then we, then we went to leave. Just getting ready to leave when someone else was uh, arriving at the door. The family were all, all in another room, and so there we were. We were on the inside of the door. They were on the outside of the door, and so I thought I did what anyone in that situation would do. I opened the door, and um, well, before I really got a chance to process what was happening, they were hugging me. Uh, they were passing on their condolences. They were saying things like, I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss. I don't know what you would do in a situation like that. It can all get a bit blurry, a bit confusing. There I was. I, I, I was just visiting the wake. I wasn't one of the family members, and yet they, they thought I was. It was, it was a bit confusing and awkward, wasn't it? I wonder, wonder what you'd do. Would you reveal the truth of your identity, or would you just leave? I'll not tell you what I did. 
But you see, knowing who someone is and knowing who someone is not is really important. Knowing if you're talking to one of the grandchildren of the deceased or whether you're just talking to someone else who is visiting the wake, that's important. Those are key details, aren't they? And John the Baptist, well, he's causing a bit of a stir. He's causing a bit of a stir. As his name suggests, he is baptizing people, okay? Although notice that John doesn't actually call him John the Baptist. He just says, John. And it's, it's almost as if John, the author of this gospel, expects us to know something of who John actually is. And actually, that would make sense because John's gospel was the last gospel to be written. And so maybe it's that John assumes that, that those who are reading John's gospel or hearing it have actually already been exposed to Matthew or Mark or, or Luke. And if that's the case, well, then there's, there's going to be Lots of details about John that we already know. And so maybe, maybe those who would have been hearing John as it was read aloud or listening on, maybe they would have already read in Luke's gospel about the miraculous way that his conception came about and how he was to be filled with the Holy Spirit while he was still inside his mother's womb. Maybe they would have already known about his strange dress style, and his unusual eating habits from Mark's gospel. Maybe they would have already actually heard about his preaching and and teaching from from Matthew, and they might have read, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But here in John's gospel, in John's gospel, John gives us a, a slightly different take on the story that we're presented with. And the focus here is, is really all on John's identity, isn't it? I wonder, did you spot that? But the answers that have been sorted out aren't really, aren't really ones like, who's your parents or what was your address when you grew up? No, the questions, they're, they're basically this, they're, they're where on earth do you get the authority to say what it is that you're saying? Where is it you get the authority to do what it is that you're doing? Who do you think you are? That's kind of the question that we're addressing here with regards to John's identity. Look with me at the text. Look with me at verse uh, 19. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? <laughs> who are you? I notice right at the start, we're told that this is the testimony of John. What we're about to hear is attributed to John himself. It's his testimony as he seeks to do his job as a witness. That's what John's job is. Maybe actually it's, it's really important to, to, to jump back and remind ourselves something that John's gospel has already told us about John. Flick with me back to, to verses 6 and 7. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. I don't know if you picked up there, what was John's job? John's job was to be a witness, wasn't it? You got that? Yeah? You really can't miss it. Witness, witness, witness. That is what John is to do, okay? And then whenever we uh, looked at those verses a few weeks ago, we kind of said it's a bit like a great big deflector. John's job was to always point people to Jesus, always be witnessing to Jesus, getting people to look at Jesus rather than getting people to look at himself. And so today, as we move through these verses, that's what I want you to keep your eyes out for. Keep looking at the text and keep looking for how John is 
always seeking to witness about Jesus. And he's always trying to, to hide himself. He's always trying to point away from himself. John doesn't want you to get to tea and coffee after the service today. And for you to be talking to the person about John, John wants you to get to tea and coffee today. And he wants you to be talking about Jesus. That's what he wants you to be talking about. So there's maybe a, a challenge for you. Get to tea and coffee. Don't just talk about John or don't just talk about football or the weather. Talk about Jesus and what you've actually learned about Jesus from this passage this morning. But John himself does not go unnoticed, does he? Because the Jews have, have sent a delegation of priests and Levites down from Jerusalem to, to check up on what's been happening in the desert. Mark's gospel tells us that all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River. So you could say John was making a big splash or maybe a little splash, but, but John, was, John was making his mark, wasn't he? Questions needed to be asked, and the question, who are you, was the key one. This is the question of the day, and as we said earlier, here he's not looking for the family tree, you know, those who have come in the delegation. That's not what they're looking for, but actually, interestingly, just a note in passing, John himself is actually a Levite because he is the son of a priest, Zechariah. But here the question has a much bigger lens, hasn't it? It's really one of, how do you think, John, you fit into the the big salvation story. How do you fit in, John? You see, in first century Palestine, it wasn't unusual for people to be thinking about the arrival of the Messiah. They expected a messianic figure to appear, and so they were waiting for it. There was anticipation of someone to come. The whole of the Old Testament had pointed to the fact that there was a, a one to come. But what did John know? What was it that John was privy to? Was he privy to some details that, that the religious leaders didn't know? Here he was baptizing people and, and telling them to repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Well, what did he mean by that? Was, was John the Messiah? Well, look at verse 20. It says, he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. Notice the language of confession here. It's almost as if John finds himself on trial before this delegation of religious leaders who have come down from Jerusalem. And so what does he confess? Well, he confesses something really, really important right at the start. I am not the Christ. You see, sometimes knowing who someone is not is really, really important. And it's the case here, and John wants to leave the delegation in absolutely no uncertainty. He says, I am not the Christ. He is not the Messiah that they've been waiting for. He is not the Savior of the world. John does not want people to misidentify the Messiah. No, 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 that is a really serious, serious error to make. And actually, as we look at his forthright and really clear witness that he is not the Christ... It's actually part of, the, part of the really clear witness that there is someone else who actually is the Christ. There is another who is the Christ. But if he wasn't the Christ, well then, who was he? The delegation needed more answers, didn't they? So they ask him, verse 21, well, they say, well, then are you Elijah? You see, in, in Malachi, the very last book of the Old Testament, 
It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. So, so some people understood this to mean that Elijah was going to physically return. Elijah, the, the prophet that we read about in the Old Testament, who is caught up in a whirlwind and a chariot of fire, some people were expecting Elijah to come back down, to physically return, and that that would happen before the Lord would appear. And so, tell us, John, are you Elijah? And what does John say? John says, I am not. No, I am not Elijah. So they have another question. Well, then, are you the prophet? Now, this is in re- reference to, to something that we, we find in, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, where Moses says that the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. Now, there were many different explanations as to what Moses was referring to among the first century Jews. But the question is, John, is this you? Are, are you the prophet that's talked about here? And what does John say? John says, no, this is not me. You see, John is he's typically reluctant to take any of the limelight, isn't he? He doesn't want any of the light to be focused on him because he constantly wants to be pointing people to Jesus. That's what he wants to do. Now, the funny thing is that actually, in Matthew 11, Jesus himself says that John the Baptist is Elijah. He is Elijah who was to come. Now, did John the Baptist not recognize the significance of his rule? Or was it that he was just denying that he was physically Elijah because he actually wasn't Elijah? But he was a, what Jesus was saying was he was the Elijah type person, an Elijah type figure, someone in the type of that Old Testament prophet. But John denies the titles, doesn't he? Which this delegation consider. But as helpful as it is to know who John is not, the delegation aren't content, are they? Because they know that this is not going to satisfy those who have sent them. Perhaps it didn't even satisfy those within the delegation. And so given that he's denied all the suggestions that they put up before him with regards to his identity, they kind of go with a, a different tack. This time they put the onus on John to tell, him, tell, tell us who he thinks he is. So they say, what do you say about yourself Who who do you think you are, John? And this time John gives an answer that gives us a bit more of an insight as to how John understood his role. Verse 23, look with me. What does he say? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. In other words, John may not be the prophet, but he is the voice predicted by Isaiah. Now in Isaiah, the original context, these verses refer figuratively to the road being made ready for the return of the exiles from Babylon, the return of God's people to Jerusalem. But here John lifts it and and uses it and uses the language to point to his own role. And John says, I play the role of a forerunner, the one who goes ahead, the one who makes ready for the one who comes behind. It's a bit like, it's a, bit like a, a police outrider. You know, the, the motorcycles, motorcyclists who, who ride ahead of the VIP's car and they, they, make, they make ready for the car to come along, don't they? 
But as important as their role is, the limelight should never really be on the outrider, should it? Like, it's not like whenever the VIP's car rolls up and the VIP steps out of the car, everyone looks at the outrider and thinks, that's a nice helmet. No, that's not what's supposed to happen. All eyes are supposed to be on the VIP, and that's what John says he's doing. I'm an outrider, I'm a forerunner, and I'm pointing to Jesus. All eyes are supposed to be on Jesus. Verse 24. Now, this, this verse, um, depending on the version you have it, it, and translation, it might look slightly different. Um, it's different because it's actually quite a diff- difficult section to translate and to know exactly what it's saying. ESV has plumbed for, now they had been sent from the Pharisees. The NIV says, now the Pharisees who had sent. So it's slightly different there. Um, was it that this delegation has been specifically sent by the Pharisees? Or was it that there was some Pharisees within the delegation and they're the ones that are now continuing to ask the questions? It's, it's difficult to be sure. Um, different respected scholars land on, on either side. But I don't think it makes a huge difference to the understanding of, of what's happening in the text. Because the key thing is, whoever it is is asking the questions, they ask more questions. They ask more questions. And here is the question. And the question is, John, you've, you've told us that you're not any of those figures. So then, why are you baptizing if you're neither Christ nor Elijah, nor the prophet. Seems that the, the delegation, although John has told them something about being that Isaiah figure, you know, they, they still can't really piece all of the evidence together. They, they can't take his testimony and, and fit it into the story as, as they're trying to uh, work it through. And so they, they have further questions. What, why are you baptizing John? <laughs> you see, they themselves had been sent as a delegation, we see that back in verse 19. They know where they've got their authority, but John, where have you got your authority? Where have you got your authority to do what you're doing? If you're not one of those key figures listed, you know, why are you going about baptizing people? What's your purpose in what you're doing? You see, for us as a reader, we already know the answer to the question, don't we? We already know the answers to those questions because we already know about John. We know about his extraordinary conception from God's special, and God's special purpose for his life from other Gospels. But we also know about it from John's Gospel. How did you spot that? Look back at verse 6. How does verse 6 start? It says, there was a man sent from God. John was sent, but he was sent by God. God, he was tasked with getting people ready for and pointing people towards the one true Jesus, the one true light of the world. That's where John gets his authority to baptize. That was his purpose. It's not the same baptism as we do today, where the covenant sign and seal is put upon those, and they're baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a different type of baptism, but we're not going to spend much time thinking about that today. But it was a baptism that was a visible sign that the people were actually responding to the preaching of John. It was a baptism of repentance. And so John says, yes, I baptize with water, but very quickly he points to another. Yes, I baptize with water, but among you stands one 
you do not know. John does not deny that he's baptizing people. John seems quite happy with the fact he's baptizing people. He seems to be pretty sure that he has been sent by God and he has authority to do it. But he says, the baptism that I am doing fades into the background because, because, and listen to what John says, among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am unworthy to tie. Here's this delegation. They're from the religious leaders in Jerusalem. That's like, you know, in PCI circles, uh, sending down someone from Belfast, you know, from church house, and then here they are to inspect our preaching or whatever, okay? And, and there they are. They're, they're, the, they're the ones that you expect to know what's happening. <laughs> and they're concerned with whether what John is doing is, is legitimate or not. And yet they were missing that the promised Messiah had actually arrived and that he was among them. Jesus, the, the one through whom all things have been made, the word made flesh stood among them, and yet the religious leaders seem to be completely unaware of it. And so do you see the sting in, in what John's response is? You know, you're the religious leaders, you're the ones up in Jerusalem, and you don't even know that the Messiah is here, and he stands among us, and you have not even recognized it. Verse 27 even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. See, John is the forerunner for the one who would come after. And yet, John recognizes that he is not even worthy to untie the strap of his sandal. Do you see that? This is the role of a servant, and yet John says, no, this person is so set apart that I'm not even worthy enough to tie his shoelaces. Here we have John witnessing again, don't we? Because as John points to his own unworthiness before Christ, he points again to the one who is worthy. As the disciple John writes in Revelation about Jesus, he says this, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. And in fact, the language of Jesus being the lamb of God is exactly where we're gonna pick up next week in verse 29. See, Jesus alone is worthy. And so today I wonder, I wonder if you know Jesus. I wonder if you've believed in and received in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's been so encouraging to, to get to talk to a few of you who have come to faith in the last few weeks. As we've been working through John's gospel, a, a few of you have come to put your trust and faith in the Lord Jesus as your Savior. For many of us, we've been praying for that, so that's a wonderful encouragement, a wonderful encouragement to know that God hears our prayer and that God has been answering our prayers. And so we pray for you that you will now continue to grow in your faith, grow and become more and more like Jesus. But some of you are not there yet. You're not a Christian. You're not believing and receiving Jesus. And perhaps it's because you've got distracted. Maybe a bit like the delegation in today's passage, you've got distracted from Jesus. Maybe, it, maybe it's even a religious distraction like they had. Maybe, maybe you're serving lots in, in the church and it looks like you're a Christian. Maybe you've ended up in some theological tussles even, like like these guys here, and yet you're not trusting in Jesus. Maybe you've 
got distracted by some people in church. Maybe you've fallen out with them or they've said something that hurt you and, and, and you just made that the thing that you cannot get past. And so that is the big block that you cannot get past and you cannot actually see Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning and actually you call yourself a Christian and you're here week in, week out. And yet, your life and your heart do not bear the reality of being a Christian. There's no change in your life. There's no love for Jesus. There's no real believing and receiving. There is no real taking Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you haven't really experienced that gift of forgiveness of sin. If that's you this morning, well, might I encourage you to look at the witness of John? Look at the witness of John and let it guide you because John's been putting people to Jesus for thousands of years. John knows what he's doing. But might I also suggest that you also take the posture of John, one of humility, rather than proudly coming to God and fighting against his word, why not pray this morning with a humble heart? Lord Jesus, if you are who you say you are, well then over the coming weeks, would you work through your word and your spirit to bring me to the point where I believe and I receive? For those of us who are Christians this morning, I wonder, I wonder do you have a hunger to know Jesus better? John gave his life to pointing people to Jesus, the real Jesus, because John knew that that was really, really vital. Knowing Jesus' true identity, the identity of the Messiah is ever so key. And it's one of the things that a Christian is supposed to make a key high priority in life, to get to know Jesus better and better. If you're not convinced, we'll look at 2 Peter. 2 Peter tells us that Growing in knowledge of Jesus is one of those things we are to set ourselves towards. And so that's one of the reasons that coming to church week in, week out is so, so key. It's hard to think of a, a better use of your Sunday evening than being back here, gathered with God's people, hearing God's word being preached again. Why? Because it helps us to get to know Jesus better and better and better. And that's supposed to be one of our top priorities as God's people. In fact, it's one of the commandments, isn't it? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, holy, set apart for God in a special way that is marked out as different than the rest of the week. And it's one of the reasons why we want to spend time each day in God's Word. Because we want to meet Jesus. We want to have an accurate picture of who Jesus is. We want to grow in our knowledge of Jesus. We want a bigger and bigger view of Jesus. We want a fuller and fuller picture of who Jesus actually is. And Jesus reveals himself to us through this, his word, the scriptures. And so right at the start of this new year, can I urge you, make coming to, to church on a Sunday top priority, top priority for the year ahead. And I, I know that for some of you, there might be reasons of necessity or, or mercy or involvement in leading worship elsewhere. That means that the, some weeks you might not be able to be here. But I think for most of us, if we make it a priority, if we make it a priority, we will be able to be here. 
And at the start of this new year, well, let's seek to spend time with God each day in his word. Again, as I I look out, I see you guys, and I think, do you know what? I, I don't think any of us, any of us couldn't do this if we make it a priority. If it's a top priority, we will be able to spend some time listening to or reading God's word and getting to know him better. Look with me at the the very last verse in this little chunk of John's gospel. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. It's apt, isn't it, that this is where we leave John today, still working away, still baptizing, still preparing people and pointing people to meet Jesus, the one alone who is worthy of our worship. Still saying, don't look at me, but look at Jesus. John is not the Messiah, but he points to the one who is. And so I wonder this morning, will you hear his testimony? Will you accept his witness? Will you respond by believing and receiving? Let's pray. Lord, might each of our hearts be open to the testimony and witness of John this morning. Might you enable us to see past any distractions this morning, to see Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, the Son of God. And might you empower us to believe and receive in him. Lord, at the start of this year, might we resolve to put knowing Jesus as a top priority. Lord, with the help of your Spirit, help us to take time reading your word each day and meeting Jesus again and again. Lord, would you help us to make time together and gather worship on this, the Lord's Day, a top priority each week. Lord, as we do that, would you give us a bigger and bigger and bigger and a clearer and clearer and clearer view of Jesus Christ, your one and only Son. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.